And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonagris, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Welcome. It's that one special Sunday of the year when there's that one football game that we all have to plan our lives around. So I'm glad that you're here tonight. Uh, And this is a very special Sunday as well because we're now in our fourth out of five Sundays and talking about St. Bartholomew, becoming St. Bart's. And if you'll recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about St. Bartholomew and, and the uniqueness of his name that, that could bear the weight of, of who we are and who we're becoming, and that this, his name could be the headwaters of a cohesive vision that would give character to our identity, shape to our mission, breadth to our community, and depth to each of us, individual members of it. We've talked about how Bartholomew means the son of a farmer, so and how there's this agricultural aspect of planting and harvesting and sometimes just plowing over and over and over. We talked about how Bartholomew is the same person as Nathaniel in John chapter 1 and John 21, and in particular in John 1, there's a beautiful interaction with Jesus, and we see that Bartholomew gives us a picture of what it's like to be fully human. Really, Jesus more perfectly does that. But what it means to be fully human and to live in the freedom of the children of God. Last Sunday, my old rector, John Schuler, came and he talked to us about the collect for St. Bartholomew's Day. A collect that's, as you heard, if you were here, as you heard, um, has organized his own life of mission and ministry. And the, the meat of the collect is this, that we, God's people, would love what Bartholomew loved and believed and preach what he taught. And that if people would say about us as a church, wow, that church really loves what the apostles, especially Bartholomew loved, they really preach what he taught, gosh, that would be a pretty good epithet for us. I would be very happy. And I think that means that the, our presence would not only be a presence for today and tomorrow and 10 years from now, but it would be, as we sung earlier, a presence for generations to come. A sort of timelessness, which is the church's, which is the kingdom of God. And tonight, we're going to talk about Bartholomew and where he was from. He was from Galilee. And this is probably one of the most... This is one of the facets of the vision that, that springs from his name and who he is. Because remember, all those who have died in Christ are alive in Christ even now. That's why when we say the creed, we, we believe that there is a communion of saints. We believe that even now there is a holy uh, connection between us 
and those who have gone before in our Lord Jesus. So, this facet of who he was and who he is is so deep and meaningful to me. And I pray that God would <clears throat> gift me to communicate it well to you. But I hope that it will articulate who we are as a people for years and years to come. And as I, you heard me mention, Bartholomew was from Galilee. Now, I went to Galilee recently. Galilee's in Israel. It's in the northern part of a country that's about the size of New Jersey. And when you go to Galilee, there's nothing quite, you know, remarkable about it. It is cool that there's a big lake or sea of Galilee right in the middle of the region. And there are towns dotted all across the lake. And around the lake are these giant hills or mountains, as Mark describes in his gospel. And, you know, it's beautiful. There's a mystery about it. There's a haze that oftentimes will settle over the lake. Um, the hills are just fascinating because you think, oh my gosh, Jesus walked these hills. He walked from Nazareth to Cana. Or he walked from Nazareth down to the Sea of Galilee. And at the foot of that road from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee is, the, is a town called Magdala or Magdala where Mary Magdalene was from. And they've just discovered it within the last five or ten years. And they're unearthing this synagogue and they found an old Torah box that's now in the Israel Museum. I mean, it's just an unbelievable area. <clears throat> but when you go to Jerusalem, Galilee pales in comparison. And then you realize, oh, okay, Galilee's kind of off to the side. Galilee's kind of this place that in comparison with Jerusalem or even the, the Judean wilderness where both these Hebrew monks that we would call the Essenes around the time of Jesus and, and other people would go to be, there's just, it, it lacks this remarkableness. Remarkability maybe is the better way to make that a noun. And Galilee, and again, I'm giving you an anecdotal experience of it. I'm not, I didn't go to an encyclopedia or a Wikipedia or any other pedia to tell you these things, so I'm sure somebody could disprove this. But in my experience of Galilee and Jerusalem, all of Israel, is that it was kind of a place that was overlooked and forgotten. And it was full of a people who were largely overlooked and forgotten. In Jerusalem, you have the gargantuan glory of Herod's temple. I mean, stones that would just crush ten people, not just, not just one person, huge. Highest of heights in this city that was already up on top of a mountain. A city that people have fought over for millennia, and they're still fighting over the city. But in Galilee, it wasn't a place of conspicuous wealth or conspicuous power or influence, or really of any sort of political dynasty. It was a place largely overlooked and forgotten, and full of a people who were largely overlooked and forgotten. And the place that Jesus went to call his disciples was where? Galilee. And what does it say of his disciples that we just read about in Mark? He went on the mountain, so he climbed, he climbed this hill, you know, it's hard enough for me to climb in my, my running shoes. I can't imagine climbing in, in their sandals back then. But he went on top of the mountain and he called those to himself whom he desired. 
and he called them to be with him. I hope that we all can appreciate the delicacy and the beauty of the moment that we're in right now. Not, not like this very moment, but in the life of our church, in our own lives, in the life of our community. John said something last week that anybody who really is honest with themselves and will call themselves a Christian has shaken their fist at God and said, why? He said, but maybe if you're really holy like the Blessed Virgin, you, you treasure that up in your heart and ponder it. This season right now for me in the life of our church is a season not dissimilar to that where Mary treasured those things up in her heart. We're in a very beautiful beginning stage of something that God is planting that will be around for a long time. And I, I don't know if I, the music tonight, the way it was so subtle. Did you feel the groove? I don't often. I see. I'm getting off the. I have notes, but notes are made to be to be sidetracked, right, Chris? <laughs> but even the music tonight, there was just a, a different, different, subtler feel. There was a groove to it, and there's just there's just a comfort of being together with God and His people. Okay, what was I talking about? Oh, so we're we are in this a really I don't want to use the word precious because that can sound pejorative sometimes, but we're in a really beautiful place. Don't overlook it. And don't shake your fist at God either. I promise I won't. Let's enjoy these Sunday nights. Because one day we'll be on Sunday morning and it'll look different and there'll be a lot more people. And, and we'll still invite people into this really deeply connected community. We don't want to change any of that. But it will be different. So I'm, I'm just reminding you. He was from Galilee. <clears throat> and when I think about so many of you and so many that aren't here tonight for whatever reason, and when I hear your stories, when I hear the victories and the joys that you've celebrated, when I hear of the unanswered questions and the doubts and the, the fist-shaking moments, And when I, when I see all that God has put in you, and I'm, and I'm thinking of most of you I've sat down with, I've had lunch or I've had coffee with, or I've had long text conversations or whatever. But when I think of you, I think of you as like people from Galilee. How has this person or that person slipped by the watchful care of another church or another minister? How have their, the uniqueness of their contribution and their gifts, how have that, those not been recognized? How, for a large part, have they been overlooked and forgotten? And how is it that I, of all schmoes in the world, get to be their pastor? That this church gets to be the place that you call home. So when I think of St. Bartholomew, I think of him as emblematic of that. He was kind of a nobody. He was from a forgettable town called Cana, where Jesus happened to do something unforgettable, turning water into wine. We live in a, in a beautiful city, 
an amazing city that I'm constantly reminded that I'm thankful for. And I, I came to the realization a few years ago, yeah, I probably need to live in or close to a city, not because I'm special, but I realized that the the actual farmers and I, though they were all very nice and I was very cordial, we didn't have as much in common. And so I realized I need to be in a place where there are museums and institutions of higher education and jobs that employ people in you know, particular professions and things, because those are the kind of people that I'm going to have affinity with. Those are the kind of people that I'm going to enjoy having a beer with or having lunch with. But we don't live in the center of our city. We live in East Dallas and the surrounding environs. And even when I think of East Dallas and the surrounding area, it reminds me a little bit of Galilee. There just so happens to be a big lake in the middle People live here on purpose. It's more of a garden, more of the vineyard of the city of Dallas than it is the, the jagged edges of concrete and steel that glimmer at us from PV Road just over Buckner. I, and without that, without the, the heartbeat of the city, we wouldn't be us. Or East Dallas wouldn't be East Dallas. Just like... Jazz wouldn't be jazz unless there was a really square way to play music. Unless they figured out another way to employ the dominant seventh chord, jazz wouldn't be jazz. And so here we are in a place like Galilee, finding ourselves to be people like St. Bartholomew, who were irregular people. And do you remember what John said last week? That all the apostles were ordinary they didn't have any special thing necessarily that without them, you know, they made the dream team. They're ordinary people just like you and me. And now all of us are unique and special and gifted <clears throat> in a completely unique way. There's no one else like us individually on the earth. And that's true for every human. That's the gift of being human. That's why Jesus came to show us what it means to be fully human, to transform us, to fill us with the power of the Spirit. But there's something different about being human in this part of the city. For those of us who have been largely overlooked and forgotten. And Jesus called to himself, St. Mark says, those whom he desired. And you may say, well, why would he want me? What do I have? Well, it's not that he wants what you have. It's that he wants you. And those of you who are parents know what that's like. Because sometimes it's not so much that you want your kids to do stuff, although it is nice when they take out the trash and recyclables and put the dishes away in the dishwasher and listen to their father's sermons. That was an inside joke. Really for my kids is I just want their presence. I just want them to understand the love that I have for them that I really can't articulate with words. It's a lot like what St. Paul says that we haven't received a spirit 
of fear or of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. We talked about this two weeks ago. And that spirit of adoption in us cries out, Abba, Father. So Jesus calls to himself those whom he desired. And did he desire them because of they were a commodity to be used to every last drop because he was a cunning Lord? They're not commodities. You're not a commodity. People are not a commodity. He called them to himself because he desired them. Friends, God wants you. Period. There's no hidden fees. <laughs> There's no small writing. There's no end user agreement that you, when you tick the box, <clears throat> you sign your life away to something. It's written for us. It's writ large in our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants you. Period. And if there's anything the church exists for, it's for our Lord Jesus to call people into a space where they can be known, where they can be accepted. Even, yes, those people who have been overlooked and forgotten, where those people can be together. And that's why, friends, St. Bartholomew is emblematic of this. A nobody guy from a nobody place whom Jesus called to himself because he desired him. Secondly, he called them to himself to be with them, to be with him. And yes, he, he would later on send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. But the main point of their vocation these three years to be with Jesus is to be with him. To be loved by him. To learn the contour of his voice. To know other people who are with him. And just to be in this highly, this place full of life. Again, Bartholomew, son of a farmer. You've heard me talk about the visions, the agricultural stuff. Friends, God has put us as a community as a, and as individuals in fertile soil. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with these disciples. He said, come, I desire you. Come be with me. Come be in fertile soil. And before they did anything officially, they were to just be with him. God wants you. And he wants you because he wants to be with you. I'm reminded of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 11 where Jesus is speaking and he says, come, come to me, all who are weary. Watch how I do it. Learn from me. You see, discipleship or, or becoming more like Christ 
isn't necessarily always a matter of acquiring knowledge. A lot of times it's just being with Jesus or being with someone else. Learning the steps of the dance. Learning their tone of voice and receiving from them their affectionate gaze. So Bartholomew was from Galilee, a region overlooked and forgotten, full of people who were largely overlooked and forgotten. He was one of those that Jesus desired to be with him. What I am trying to communicate tonight and what we're going to unpack (laughs) over the coming years as a community, both in word and deed, both in how we organize ourselves and how we talk about ourselves and what our worship looks like, it's very important. It's deeper than marketing, like how do we present ourselves to the outside world. It's deeper than some sort of charm offensive that I'm putting on to get you to like the name St. Bartholomew, much less the man. Remember, there was an actual man, which I hope you will. I hope you will like that. Friends, this is a divine reality common to all people. So this is a call that Jesus issues, yes, to those specific 12, but he has to issue it to those specific 12 so he can issue it to the whole world. That's what Leslie Newbigin, missionary bishop of the Church of England in India, to his name we bow and he, Leslie Newbigin, he says that's the doctrine of election. It's not that God would call Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and keep all of his promises and love only to those, but he calls Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Israel so that through Israel, through Jesus, and through us, the church, that divine love can be communicated explicitly in word and in deed. So the thing I'm trying to communicate tonight is common to all people, but it's particularly true for us in this place. It is part of our identity. I can't say it enough, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but as I think about you and your stories, as I think about the privilege it is to be to serve you, I think, how did these people slip through? How are they here? How did someone not hold on to them and not let go of them? How did their gifts go unrecognized? So this reality that God wants us, that God wants to be with us, is particularly true for us here in this place in this time. And friends, it's part of the why It's part of our identity, and it's part of the reason why God has chosen St. Bartholomew for us and us for St. Bartholomew. Remember, he's a man with our Lord Jesus right now. God wants you, which we know is the heart of the gospel. And he wants people that are driving by. He wants people that live over in the Zeke. My goodness, their signs are everywhere. Somebody lease an apartment from them now. <laughs> Sorry. He wants everybody. And if you're here or listening over the interwebs, 
He wants you to be with him. He wants you to be with him, but he wants you to be with him here. It's not an accident. Galilee wasn't an accident. Bartholomew isn't an unfortunate multisyllable accident. And friends, there are those that are not yet here that he wants. Don't forget that image of the risen Christ on the cross, a victorious crucifix is what we call it, stretching out his arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of his saving embrace. He wants them to be with him. And many of them, he wants them to be with him here. Yes, the sermon in this series is about a new name and the beginnings of a vision that flows from it. But friends, it's also about a very basic and primal reality that God wants us. He desires us. And not only that, we're not just something that he puts on a shelf to say, see, look, I've collected all one billion. He wants us so that he can be with us. And he has gone to the utmost lengths to make it possible. And Bartholomew, our dear father in the faith, is emblematic of this. Part of a region and a people largely overlooked and forgotten. Jesus desired him. And Jesus called him to himself. And Jesus gave him and the other twelve and because we are part of an apostolic faith, an apostolic church, and to us, authority to teach and to preach and to cast out demons. But first, before we're sent out, which we'll talk about next week, the fact that Bartholomew, after the resurrection and ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, went east as a missionary. But first, he simply wants us to be with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have not forgotten us, that we are not off your radar, but very much on your radar, that nothing about us is hidden from your sight. And Lord, in the same moment that makes us cringe and rejoice, that you are almighty and most merciful. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, that we might receive afresh and anew the love of the Father, that we might cry out, Abba, Father, that we might see how, Lord, not by any fault of anyone else's, but we have been overlooked and forgotten. And we're in this offbeat place, off the center of a map, but we're here because you have put us here and you've given to us a patron with those very same qualities. So, Lord, before we go out and preach, before we go out and invite, let us just be with you, remembering that you love us, you desire us, and you have called us to do so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.